Hi friends, Dr. Shelley here. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. I have another book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide. It will be out on December 8th and it's called Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. So earlier in the 2000s, I wrote a book series, which I have discussed on the Healing Arts Podcast, about a phenomenon I call supretrovi, spontaneous past life memories. This is when we're trying to mind our own business, and yet we're hit with this picture, thought, or feeling about something that happened to us in the past. This was happening to me all the time while I was traveling to other places, and what I found through my research is that I truly believe this happens to every single person alive. The book has some incredible endorsements from people like Coast to Coast's George Norrie and others, and it would mean the world to me if you will go out and pre-order my book so that you can have it before the holidays when it comes out on December 8th. So check out Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories, now available in pre-order on Amazon.com. And thank you so much for your support. Namaste. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey there, I hope you had a wonderful week. So we've got a really cool show today with my friends Phoenix LeFay and Guion Raven. They are a power couple and they've got a wonderful new book about rituals and how, you know, we think about a ritual and how complicated that sounds, but that it's kind of about just taking time to smell the roses and to celebrate the little victories that we all have in our lives. I don't want to spoil the surprise, obviously, about all the wonderful things we're going to talk about, but they do make some great points that, you know, sometimes I think we're so busy just trying to get through every single moment that when something really special happens, we don't even take time to acknowledge it. We don't take time to process it. And so we're missing out on some of the treasures of life. So I really loved these two. They're a great couple. They're a ton of fun. And I certainly hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. So let's check out my friends, Phoenix and Guion. 
Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I've got an amazing power couple here today with me. We have Phoenix LeFay and Guyon Raven. They are authors of the new book, Life Ritualized. This is amazing. You two are amazing. Um, you're an incredible couple, and you both have such interesting things going on individually. So welcome to Healing Arts. I can't wait to get the end of this, and I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, Thanks for having so us much. Thanks. So I was looking at um, your website and I noticed Phoenix, you have a, you have a shop. Is that right? Yeah, you have a store. So I do. do you miss it? I mean, do I miss the store? Open? Yeah. Being open or have you enjoyed zoom? I was just curious. Oh yeah. So, I mean, the shop is open, so you can definitely come in and shop. We just aren't hosting any classes right now. Oh. So, um, so I do miss in-person classes and teaching in person, but I've been able to do classes online and I've had people from other countries come to these workshops. And so that's been super fun to be able to reach more folks and talk about witchcraft and goddesses and all of that fun stuff. So, you know, there it's the silver lining and what's been an interesting year. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think the Zoom environment's been kind of cool. Yeah. Because like you said, you can reach out to everybody. And I was noticing um you offer readings, tarot readings. And one of the things I really loved about what you're saying is that you're not here to fluff or I mean you said it differently than this, but you know, you're not going to fluff around with people. You're just going to give them the reality of what is happening. And I think that's so valuable. So can you talk about your philosophy of how you do your readings? Absolutely. Yeah. I am pretty no nonsense. And I think that's my personality generally. I just kind of say the thing that needs to be said. Uh, and you know, people come to tarot readings and go to see psychics and all of this mostly because they're looking for um, something that um, gives them confirmation about what they're already feeling or believing or worried about, you know? And so it's, you don't want to give someone false hope. You don't want to give right. someone information that isn't going to be valid to what their experience is going to unfold like. And so I just think it's really important to just speak plainly, say the hard thing, uh, and and what's beautiful about the tarot is even when the news is bad, there is instruction. There is like a map on how to navigate it. And so it's, you know, there's never a reading where I leave it feeling like I've just ruined someone's day because there's always good news or navigation or something that is important to pay attention to. So, you know, I, I, speak, I speak plainly. <laughs> I, I like that about you already. I'll tell you that. I think people need plain talk sometimes. Yes, you know, true. Phoenix is one of the rare readers that not only gives you the reading and you know tells you what you uh, need to know rather than what you want to know, but she also gives you homework. Yeah, <laughs> she <doesn't> say, <laughs> this is true. Here's what I see. Well, here are the things that you need to do to participate in this. Yeah, if folks aren't willing to participate. Not a lot happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that's got to be part of it. I mean, you know, you can't just spoon feed material to people. They have to, we all have, we're all co-creating, I would right. think, our realities. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. We need that. So Guyan, you have, um, we're going to talk about this fabulous book that the two of you did together. But again, you two are so cool. I just have to ask, you've got a book about the magic of food. Tell us more. We want to know more. I've got to go get that one immediately. Oh, well, thank you. I loved writing this book. So I love food uh, at different times in my life. I've, I've cooked for a living. 
Um, ever since I was a young boy, I was fascinated. Where I grew up in London, um, I know this is a bit of an overused term, but it really was kind of a melting pot. So to the, the town to the left of me, um, there it was a, a very rich um, uh, uh, Barbados, Trinidadian, uh, Bahamanian community. Um, to the right of me was a fantastic uh, uh, both Hindu and Pakistani community. Uh, to the other side of me, there was a huge Cypriot and Turkish community. So while I lived in London, um, I could have been living in any city in the world, it seemed like it, certainly from a culinary standpoint of view. So I grew up with lots of different spices and customs around eating. When I decided to write the book, The Magic of Food, I really looked at, you know, there is, um, we eat food every day. Most everyone eats food every day. Yes. Um, and there is a ritual that can go in that. When we pay attention to what we eat and how we eat and why we eat, we can see how it has a dramatic impact on who we are and how we show up that day or that moment in the world. And if we go back and we look at every culture that's ever existed where we've got some written documentation um, in every myth, in every religion, there are food stories. This hero had to go and get the sacred goat. This hero had to dive into the cauldron of rebirth. Um, and, you know, there's always all these stories. Some of the very first tales that we have that were written 7,000 years ago, stamped into cuneiform from ancient Suma, tell the stories. They say they tell three things. They tell the stories of their gods. They tell the stories of commerce, you know, Shelley, you owe me five goats. Uh, and then, okay. <laughs> then they talk about recipes. And that's what was recorded. Um, and so I wanted to write a book that really showed that whether it was 1.8 million years ago or 18 years ago or 18 minutes ago, as humans coming together around food, celebrating ritual, celebrating life and the big moments in life. Um, Think about any wedding, there's a big reception. Think about any funeral, people bring meals around. There's, there's a human connection um, and I find that magical. And I also think that we can incorporate magical practices uh, in the way we cook our own food. So that's what the book was about, it was fascinating. And it's, it's got some recipes in it too. So it's a little bit of history, a little bit of food magic and uh, 42 of my favorite recipes. Wow. Yeah. I'll have the links up for that because that looks fascinating. I think there is definitely some magic to the intention. Like when we cook things lovingly and then we share with people, there's some real magic there. Absolutely. I know you do a lot with the, the various healing arts, right? And, you know, I think the classic example of, of chicken soup. So if you make chicken soup from, from scratch, scientifically, there are all kinds of things that go on with the vitamins and the nutrients and, and how they're absorbed into the body. So there's the good body of healthy food that's in that crock pot, right? Right. Then there's the magic of me. If, I, if you were ill and I was making you chicken soup, I'm putting my love and intention for you to be well. When you eat the soup, you get the nutrients, certainly. So your physical body gets what it needs but also your spiritual body, your mind, you say, wow, Guion really cares about me. 
Guion is here, I'm safe, I'm comforted, I won't starve, somebody's bringing me food, it's good, nutritious, healthy food, I can just lay here and let this thing wash over me. That right. gives you a certain level of comfort. And if your body and your mind and your spirit are in, are in an alignment that you are going to heal, you're going to heal. Absolutely. Yeah. That is so cool. All right, Phoenix, I've got another one from your website and okay. we will have these links friends. So you need to go check this out immediately. <laughs> um, you, in your practice, you have a candle ministry. That is yeah. so interesting. So tell us about the candle ministry and when you light the candles and you interpret them and the kinds of things that we could have a candle lit for. Yeah. Candle magic is my favorite spell process that you can do because it is so visceral. There's a flame, something is happening. You can look at it and connect into it. Uh, and it's simple. You, you know, you don't have to go and pluck this flower from the top of a mountain at the specific moon phase. You know, it's just right there and accessible. You can get candles anywhere. You can get them at the dollar store, you know? So it's, it's a really accessible form of spiritual work. And uh, the candle ministry I run is I use glass and case candles. I actually am working a little bit on it right now. So I use Ooh. these candles. It's glass encased. Um, for any requests that come in, I decorate the glass. I write the person's name and their birth date and anything else that's important about their request. Um, I will put holes in the top of the wax and imbue it with oils and herbs and whatever else might be in alignment with that working with that um, desire or intention. And then the candles get lit and um, they, I don't leave them burning all the time. I, we live in a part of California that has had a lot of wildfire stuff right. going on. So mm -hmm. I'm very, very fire cautious. Uh, candles are only burning when I'm present to monitor. Um, but I keep them burning for as long as I can. I, you know, I, I'm really only home or in my office. <laughs> so candles burn for a long time. And then when they're done burning, there's a lot of information left behind. You can actually use divination on the glass uh, and see patterns, kind of like a tea leaf reading, if you've yeah. ever seen that happening. Um, the, you know, there, there will be smoke patterns or soot. Um, sometimes the herbs will leave a pattern or information behind. Um, sometimes if the candle doesn't burn really well, or there's a lot of wax left over, it can be a signal that there might be resistance or cleansing that needs to happen on a situation. Uh, and so with, for every candle, they, there is a report that comes when it's done burning. And I provide that information on how it burned and what it looks like and and any future homework. Again, I love giving homework <laughs> that the person Good might consider you. doing. Yeah. I'm glad yeah, you do homework. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. you know, I think that's I great. mean, I feel it's important that if it, if you know, I'm happy to burn a candle on your behalf and hold your intention, but ultimately, it's your intention at the end of right. the day. So it's important that anyone has their own skin in the game as well and is going to do some work to manifest their desire. Yeah, absolutely, it's important. Yeah, I used to do some readings and I, I started moving more into regressions with some intuitive stuff thrown in because I think people 
I hate to say it friends, but a lot of people don't want to do the work, you know? Yeah. And so I really respected what you had to say. And I just wanted to showcase that for people because this is how it needs to be. I mean, yeah. we all are here to be on our journey for ourselves. You know, we all need help every now and then, obviously looking into things, but I just, I really liked what you had to say about it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I you thank know, I, you for giving people homework. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, I say this all the time. So folks who have taken workshops from me are tired of hearing this, but you know, in at the Oracle of Delphi there above the, the entrance was the words, know thyself. And I feel like that is what it is to be human. We need to understand our individuality, what makes us tick, what triggers us, what brings us joy. And the more we understand ourselves, the smoother the road is. Uh, and so, you know, doing your homework is knowing yourself. It's figuring out all of that stuff. It's important. Absolutely. Yeah. So on these amazing topics of candle ministries and food and the magical powers of food and the rituals that bring us together. I now want to talk about Life Ritualized, your new book. Yeah. This is amazing. So you're talking to the reader here about rites of passage. So share with us your concept of what a rite of passage really is, either of you. So I'll start if that's right. <laughs> okay. Go for it. So um, on a simple biological level, human beings, we come into the world, we go out of the world in, in this form, right? That much we know for sure. And along the way, there are significant moments in our life. They're significant because something about us has changed. It could be a physiological thing. We begin a process. We enter into puberty. We uh, go into menopause. We are um, uh, in the process of being vital, uh, reaching the top. And then there's a point where we will inevitably begin to slow down and, and uh, move towards death. That's just it. So if we look at that as a framework, every single culture that's ever existed has then laid upon this journey of life that we all go through certain markers, certain places where we say, ah, this is an important thing. You are moving from this to that. Uh, you're moving from a boy to a man. You're moving from um, a warrior to an elder, whatever it might be in any of those cultures. And there is a moment where frankly, we could be uh, confused. We could feel like we were out on a boat in the ocean bobbing around. Um, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. uh, I was 21 when my dad died. Mm. So very quickly, I had to learn what it was to arrange a funeral and, and all of the busyness of what it takes to unwind somebody's life in, in the moment. My dad was 49 when he died, so mm. he hadn't done a lot of preparation for the family, unfortunately. So that was a rite of passage. I went from being a son to being not a son. I went from, you know, my dad will live forever in that kind of naive way that we think about to facing death absolutely immediately. And there was no structure around. There was no one to lean on. There were the 
the, the there was the business of the Social Security office. There was the um, the the funeral planners that said, "Oh, you know, sign this document, make this thing happen." But there was no structural support for me as a human being. Even the uh, services that were rendered were very non-denominational, and that ritual was very lackluster. Mm -hmm. When we think about funerals, the person that has gone is gone. They're wherever they are doing whatever comes next. But we are left behind. And it's a place for us to publicly grieve or publicly celebrate. It's the, okay, this is the last bit of their journey, the person that's gone, for us. And I just found there was no solace. There was no support. And the weirdest thing that happened was after the funeral happened, after the wake happened, after everybody had come up and said, your dad was such a great fella, and he was, um, I was sitting on the floor in his bedroom. And I had to dismantle his life one coat hanger at a time. All of his shirts and his underwear and his socks. Well, he didn't need any of those anymore. And I literally put them into hefty bags and, you know, gave them to goodwill. There is no ritual for that. There is no manual anywhere where we think about what is it like after that. The ritual of dismantling somebody's clothes, taking their stuff out of the closet. Um, turning that room into something else in the house was incredibly painful and there was no ritual for it. And that's a moment that I imagine all of us either have gone through or will go through. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to write this book to really mark both the incredibly high moments and some of the tough moments and some of the mundane moments where life happens and things change and we don't recognize it. And when we don't recognize it, we become disconnected. And when we become disconnected, depression, dissatisfaction, all those kind of things come in. Um, there's no place to grieve or celebrate. And so that's why we wrote this book. That was a long answer, but I hope. <laughs> no, it's a good answer. Your description of your father. I mean, that's just, it's heartbreaking. And yet it is, it's something that I think everybody, if they haven't already, they are going to have that happen. Absolutely. I did that with my grandmother. I remember we we went and some of the family is upset because you're going to have to take things out of somebody's closet. You know, you get into all those conflicting emotions because you're right. I, I think that this culture largely doesn't understand what to do about death, even though yeah. this is kind of what we signed up for when we got here, but we seem to have yeah. forgotten about that somehow. And, and it is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. So Phoenix, tell us about, you know, your thoughts on, on these rites of passage yeah. and how they've, shaped your life yeah you know Gwen said something about uh being disconnected and and you know these right not honoring these moments can lead to to disconnection and i actually would take it a step further i think culturally the majority of us already are disconnected uh you know we we have weddings we have funerals and that's kind of it there's there's no other moment culturally uh, secularly, where we pause and do something to honor the moment of transition. And I think that's problematic for us as a culture. And I, you know, I speak as an American, and I see this as an American issue, but I think it's 
um, beyond just the United States. I think you could see this in other countries as well, but uh, we, we lack this connection and ritual is a way of bringing some of that back. There is a mystery to life and the world and living. And when we have ritual, when we approach things from a perspective of, of ritual, it, it inserts mystery. It allows us to open to mystery. It reminds us about mystery because everything is mysterious. The world is so amazing and mysterious and we understand, you know, this much of it. So absolutely, with the, at least for me, I think the, the goal, one of the goals of this book was to remind people how many opportunities we have to open up to those moments of mystery. And uh, there's hundreds of opportunities in our lives to pause. Gwen and I have said this multiple times, we're always in a rite of passage, always. There's always something going on in our lives that you can look back and go, oh, wow, that was a huge moment. I wish I had paused. I wish I had honored it. I would, you know, so instead of looking back and wishing you had, having the forethought to uh, honor that moment while you're going through it. And that that is a challenge, I admit it. It is a challenge to recognize, oh, this is a moment. <laughs> but we're constantly in them. And so the book gives at least a framework of some moments where you can pause uh, and have that ritual and have that acknowledgement. And then there's a whole section on do-it-yourself rites of passages and how you can find those moments that are actually important in your life. Uh, and creating ritual to celebrate it, to honor it, to grieve with it, whatever it might be. Yeah. Absolutely. You're, you're reminding me, you know, lately in the news, they've been talking about um, traditional religions and structures. Of course, people are abandoning those things yeah. in droves right now, like even more than they had been um, becoming very, I guess, disillusioned. I don't know all the reasons, but it feels to me like you know, your book is giving people an opportunity to say, we don't need, if, if we've chosen to walk away from those kinds of structures, that this ritualization of everyday life should be happening, you know, in our own home, in our office, mm -hmm. wherever we are, yeah. and that we can do these things through these prayers and intentions just on our own. So what do you Absolutely. think about, about how we can incorporate this as individuals who are by ourselves? Well, even if we're on the pagan path or the Wiccan path or any path we can yeah. use these things in this book yeah that's one thing so you know we write this book from a, a pagan perspective of course but you could take that word out of the whole book and right. um and it could be you know a, an instruction manual if you will uh, for any rituals you know i think when we look at some of the major religions and even some of the minor ones there is one good thing um the dalai lama says that all of the world's religions point to truth, but that's not a capital T, my truth, the truth, the one and only truth. It's, they point to, you know, the, the truth of human existence, right? And I think those are the things that are wonderful about organized religion. The practices, the celebration, I mean, think about it for a moment. If you're a Christian, that moment where you take the bread and the wine, right. oh my gosh, I mean, what a mystery that is. You're literally saying, I embody th uh, the God, right? That's what you're saying. That's if you break it down, take all the religiosity out of it. What you're saying is by consuming this, I become the God. 
wow, that is amazing. And, and many religions have something similar to, to communion, if you will. Look at that very word, communion. Communion with what? Communion right. with the unknown, with the transcendent, with, the, with that that is beyond. Oh my gosh, like how could you not want to be in communion to that? Now, do I need a priest to have communion with the world? Nope. Do I need um, years and years of religious instruction and dogma and in some cases oppression um, to uh, manage my relationship with God, the gods, the universe, the ancestors, my own um, reflection in the world? No, I don't. And so that's, again, that's part of the reason of this book is if people are searching for something um, and they think ritual is a way to do that because religious uh, groups do ritual really well. Like that's a really good thing about religion. Uh, and I think in this book, we are showing ways where you can be your own arbiter between yourself and the gods or yourself and God or yourself and um, whatever is transcendent. Yeah, I feel that human beings really, we do crave rituals. I think if oh, yeah. we just walked away from our religions altogether, there would be something really missing. Don't you yeah. agree? Yeah. You know, I see folks coming into paganism that have been part of another religion and they come in and they're wide-eyed and they love it. Oh, this is so different. It's freeing. I've got this agency or that sovereignty. And then sometimes, you know, a few months in, they're like, I wish we could do Sunday school. How come this religion doesn't have this? How come this belief doesn't do that? So they want to impose those structures again. And I, I do think that's the craving for ritual. Um, so yeah, I would agree with that. We love Maybe ritual as human beings. Why wouldn't we? Yeah. yeah, it's either archetypal or something that we're craving that. Yeah. The Absolutely. other thing along the lines of mystery, because I agree with both of you that we're, we're, um, there's mystery in every moment because we truly don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. I was at a metaphysical place. I don't know, a fair. It's been a while, but I, I remember several people saying, well, you know, now that the, we have the internet, we've got encyclopedias, we've got everything online, that the mystery has gone out of life. But I completely disagree with that. And I just wanted to know your take on, on the yeah. mystery of the moment, I think yeah. is what you're speaking to. What do you think, Phoenix? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny is, um, so witchcraft is very on the rise right now. It's very in vogue. Um, it's on, you know, social media and things like TikTok. It's like very popular. And I've been involved in, in witchcraft since I was a young teen. So I've seen this sort of ebb and flow of interest happen over the last 30 years. Uh, and so I find it, you know, sort of interesting to watch because a lot of the folks who are um, hungry and looking for this connection to mystery right now are in chat rooms and they're reading blogs and they're reading books and they're consuming information, which is brilliant, but yeah. it's only half of it. Mystery is experienced. And so reading all of these books, and, and I was that kid when I was 15, I read every book I could get my hands on, you know, the internet wasn't a thing yet, but I, I, every book I could get my hand on, I was reading, but it wasn't until I went to a public ritual for uh, winter solstice and I experienced it with all of these other people. My mind was blown. I stepped into mystery where prior to that, I'd just been reading about it. 
So information is half of the equation. It's, it's, mystery is experiential. You have to feel it in your breath and your blood and your bone to really be in that moment. Uh, and I think that's, that's the thing that, that's a key that I think a lot of folks are missing. And, and it's so easy. It's so easy. It's just right here. Yeah. When the two of you found your current spiritual path, did you, did it just, like you said, there was just something about it and, and did you feel um, connected to it through your past lives? Do you think? That's so funny you asked that because this came up the other day too. Uh, you know, I wasn't raised in any specific religion. So uh, as a young teen, I went through a period of, of um, being really lost and maybe probably even depressed. And I thought, you know, if I, if there was a higher power I had belief in, maybe this would be easier. So I started exploring religions and going to churches and reading books about Hinduism and Buddhism. And that's when I stumbled on a book about witchcraft. And it was like, uh, words were given form to the thoughts and feelings that I held. I didn't know that these words existed. I didn't know other people felt that way about the world. Right. Uh, and so in a, in a way, I do think that there's like some past life energy I'm working through with all of that. Um, I don't have any specifics, <laughs> yeah. but it does feel very much like this is a lineage that I've been walking for many lifetimes for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know, a lot, I, I, I agree with you. I, I've got a new book coming out um, in December about spontaneous past life memories that are triggered oh. by, you know, traveling or we meet someone or we pick up a gemstone and it connects us to that part of the world where we lived before. And specifically yeah. with people who are really, like I also grew up with a very non-religious family and I feel like I'm like you, uh, Phoenix, like, oh, I need to go read all these and see, yeah. see if I have any thoughts of my own that are different from how I was raised or something. Probably every person goes through that, but, yeah. um, you know, now here we are, we're in our respective businesses here yeah. exploring this all the time, you know, yeah. so yeah. I'm just always interested in the past life connection to this because um, the Wiccan material has always kind of, oh, I just, I think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful. The teachings but it's not been something that I've gotten really entrenched in, in this life, but there's just something in the back of my mind that says, yes, I, I feel like I've had a connection to that in the deep past. So yeah. I just wanted to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah. I so. think some of it's ancestral too, you know, like there oh. is something I've done a lot of uh, ancestral research in the last five or six years. And some of the things that have come through uh, just hits, feelings, things that bubbled up to the surface that I didn't know I was holding on to there's something about that as well. And so there's, you know, it's like these two pieces that come together of this past life energy and also my, my familial past lives, you know, the, my DNA's yeah. past lives that, that are connected to it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. They're saying now that up to 50% of how we're presenting ourselves is directly influenced from the ancestors now, yeah. like real scientists. So that actually right. makes sense. Yeah. That the, the well, ancestors. Yeah, the ancestors were probably doing all of these things and this is how it's happening. Yeah. So each of you um, share some of your favorite rituals or one of your favorite rituals out of your book. I know that's kind of on the spot, but <laughs> yeah. ah, if, which one of your kids do you like the best? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, funnily enough, uh, I will tell you one of my favorite rituals in the book. Okay. Um, when my daughter, 
was 18. She's 24 now. She decided to move out. And it was under the absolute best of circumstances. It was, she was moving into a home with some uh, soon to be college roommates. Like there was no angst. She didn't run away. You know, it was the, the absolute perfect situation that a parent could want. Uh, she was moving literally a couple of miles away, not even, um, and was going to be with college friends. And it was lovely. So the day came and we cheerfully loaded boxes into the back of her car and off she drove. And I walked into her bedroom or what had been her bedroom. And I was, I didn't see it coming. It was like the universe hit me with a two by four right in the forehead. She was gone. My baby daughter was gone. And I knew she was going to a great situation. I knew that she was um, healthy and well cared for and just a few blocks away in the scheme of things. And I sat on the floor and I cried and I cried. There was like pinholes in the wall, you know, where she had pinned up flowers that she had gotten at prom and, um, you know, another thumbtack in the wall where she put a postcard when we went on some vacation and all that was left were these holes in the wall. And the only thing she left were some Tibetan prayer flags, which she did on purpose. And I think she did it on purpose to remind me of impermanence um, because the only thing left in there were these prayers. And so I cleansed the room. Once I stopped cleaning, I, I stopped crying. I cleansed the room. And after a bit, uh, a week or so went by, I reconfigured the room and I turned it into my office and I built all kinds of memories there. But part of what I did was out loud to the room, I, I cried and I reminded myself and the room of all of the amazing things in there. First boyfriends and first breakups and uh, sitting up doing her hair and like all of these wonderful, amazing moments that we had giggles in, in that room. Um, and um, it really reminded me, there's a beautiful myth that comes to us from ancient Greece, the, the myth of uh, Persephone and um, Demeter or Demeter. And uh, the, the very short version of the story goes that Demeter is the mum and uh, her young daughter is the spring maiden, if you will, and she is taken to the underworld. And uh, Demeter is absolutely heartbroken that her daughter is gone, as any parent would be. And it turns out that uh, the spring maiden becomes Persephone and becomes a queen in her own right. She's absolutely grand where she is. She has an amazing life. She rules over this kingdom. Um, and yet her mother still grieves for the child that is gone. And, um, uh, and then so a deal is struck where every now and again, Persephone comes back and Demeter and Persephone get to hang out. And that's exactly the relationship I have with my daughter now. She is a strong, capable, incredible, intelligent, fantastic woman. Um, and, and the world needs more women like her in it. And the deal is every now and again, she stops by and we get to go on a hike and she gets to be my, my little girl again while we, you know, amble around the woods. 
And so that was one of my favorite rituals was recognizing that I had become Demeter and she had become Persephone. And that is as it should be. Wow. Wow. That is a great story. That's a great example. You're exactly right. Yeah. A lot of these, um, yeah, moving, moving households, having people leave. Those yeah. are big yeah. moments. So we did, that was the, you know, the ritual that we did in effect was, and it's in the book is an empty nest ritual. And some folks, you know, like me sit on the floor, crying their eyes out. <laughs> and other folks are like, they're out, let's go. You know? Yeah, get the champagne out, we're having a party. <laughs> yeah. And both of those are great reactions. And Phoenix and I had both of those reactions. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing that's interesting about life. That's one of the mysteries of life. You can have both of those reactions simultaneously. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So Phoenix, what ritual would you like to share? Yeah, you know, my the, my favorite ritual is the simplest ritual in the book, I think. And I it's um, it was a moment that was so, well, I mean, there's a lot of personal moments in the book, but this one is just so personal and simple and silly in a way and it, it's about my daughter getting her driver's license uh so you know i just kept projecting all of the stuff i went through when i got my driver's license and how scared i was and how i failed the first time and i was putting all of this pressure on her that she didn't even know i wasn't verbalizing any of this i was just feeling it and assuming she was feeling it too and she was so fine so the whole time she's taking her test i am saying prayers i'm pacing outside of the dmv i'm just holding that you know everything goes as smoothly as possible i'm holding this intention for her uh, and she gets back and she's so like nonplussed about everything she's just a very mellow person and she gets back and she's passed and I'm so excited. And she's just like, I did it. No big deal. And so on the way home to celebrate, to ritualize the moment, we went to a coffee shop. This is the simplest ritual. We went to a coffee shop. We got decadent drinks, ridiculous amounts of sugar. And I just took a moment to toast to her. I acknowledged how she had to study and she had to take this test and she had to practice and she had to convince me on days where I didn't feel like being stressed out to be her passenger. She had to do all of this in order to manifest this moment and complete this task. And we toasted and, you know, cause she's, she only allows so much of my woo before she gets impatient with me. So that was as much ritualizing of that moment that we did. And then we drove home and she drove us home and we went on with our day, but it was that pausing and having an, um, something extra to acknowledge that she'd succeeded in this big goal. You know, getting a driver's license, we kind of were like, oh, good job, but it's actually a huge deal. You have control over a, you know, several thousand ton piece of equipment it's a big deal and it's also freedom for the young person who's gotten their license you know now they can be out in the world on their own without an overseer <laughs> without their parental chauffeur exactly yeah so that's my favorite ritual and it it's so simple uh, it's so simple and it's just a it's a sweet moment that I hold from the moment with my daughter yeah yeah, I think we do. I, I guess we're just so busy that we really don't take time anymore yeah. just to pause for just a minute 
what do you both think about obviously we've been locked down we're starting to get out again thank god and so it feels like i i would say we've had a moment here uh <laughs> and so yeah. shouldn't we celebrate and just kind of we're getting ready to cross the threshold and going back out into this world that has changed i don't yeah. see how it's going to go back to exactly what it was but i feel like there should be a ritual to that don't you think absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. there are so many rituals around this right there are in the US alone, 500,000 people that yeah, aren't nice. here, that would have been here had we had a vaccine or if COVID had never happened, right? I mean, certainly yeah. a portion of those folks that were older likely would have uh, you know, moved on at this point, but nonetheless, there are 500,000 people that aren't here. And I think that's something we have to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, and with great joy and with great gratitude, because you know, the three of us right now and anybody that's listening, we are here. Mm -hmm. We have, to this point, survived this unprecedented moment in our lifetime. Yeah. And none of us on the planet today have lived through anything like this. Uh, and so I think there is a moment of gratitude how quickly this tiny, minute, microscopic virus <laughs> can... Yeah you know, take down the most intelligent, most, uh, the richest and the poorest of people yeah. um, like that. And we, we don't know when that's gonna happen. In Buddhism, there's this expression, we don't know what comes next, our next breath or our next life. And I think mm -hmm. COVID has really shined a light on that. And I think it's also, um, for me, part of the celebration is over the last year, so as I mentioned, I'm a cook. So I was absolutely inundated when COVID first started and people were very heavily locked down, people asking me, how do they make bread? Did I have my sourdough starter? Was I willing to share it? Um, how did they make chicken stock? What did they do with leftovers? And so all of these sort of, you know, what used to be called home economics, all of these um, uh, folks were reaching out to me going, hey, you're a cook, how do I do these things? <laughs> and that was fascinating. And I think there is this thing about, oh, because, everybody's world got so small. You know, in some cases we, we, you know, people lived in their apartment or their house and that was it, they didn't travel to work. And I think there is something to celebrate about how sacred our own homes are. Yes. And um, the joy we get from just simply walking around our neighborhood. We don't have to get on a plane and go to Las Vegas or Aruba. We don't have to go out for dinner every night, although that's certainly lovely. Um, we can enjoy those simple pleasures at home. And now we can be have more discernment. Instead of just going out to the restaurant because it's the place where we fuel, we can say, hey, last month I couldn't do this. Let's celebrate going out to dinner. Let's, yeah. let's tip that weight person extra because they're bringing me coffee. I don't have to make it myself and do the dishes afterwards. Um, we have an opportunity to change, fundamentally change the world because of COVID. Yeah. And I think we should. And that's a ritual I would love to do. I think it also made it really apparent how much we take each other for granted. You know, so I'm super introverted, Gwen's super extroverted. So for me, it wasn't that difficult to sort of hibernate. For Guion, like watching my sweet partner kind of freak out about <laughs> being trapped with just me for a year. You know, we, uh, at our home, we have a little hiking trail right behind our house. And anytime someone was walking their dog, he would be like, hey, 
what are you doing? What's your dog's name? How's it going? And, you know, just to interact with other people, I think that is a moment to celebrate this, uh, how we do need touch and human connection and relationship and how we navigate those relationships. You know, I haven't, I haven't hugged my mom in a year and a half almost, you know, so having that opportunity and celebrating and relishing and recognizing what a simple gift that is, Uh, you know, honoring that simple gift of just being with other people in close proximity. Uh, You know, I took it for granted for sure. I, you know, I never thought something like this would happen. And that's, I think that's a moment to celebrate too, is this new awareness that we have about how we relate to other people and how we want to relate with other people. Yeah. I I, just say, by the way, if I had to choose to be locked down with somebody for a year, I would choose Phoenix. Oh, thank you. So sweet. (laughs) Don't you feel like it made you stronger? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, that's it. Now you're there. I mean, you've been locked up together. (laughs) Yeah. What else could you possibly go through? This is awesome. Yeah. I think you're right. Like, I don't, I think everybody takes everything for granted. I mean, we can't help it. That's just probably human nature. And so when you don't have any ability to leave your house, you know, I can go sit in the drive up window at Starbucks and think, my God, this is amazing. You know, I'm in my car or, you know, I don't know. You just have to think every little thing seems so much more exciting. And so I think it is a real shift of just trying to be grateful for what we do have. And, you know, like Gwen was saying, just we're alive, you know, we're healthy, we're here. That's when I really started, you know, I didn't know how to zoom. I had to go out like, you know, like everybody else. That's the other thing, you know, we have so much attachment to what we're supposed to be doing. So yes. we can't do anything. Yes. The travel schedule's canceled. Okay. So we're going to have to learn how to do the zoom thing, but how else, you know, I found it, you know, kind of imperative for keeping up with people and getting to meet new friends like you. I mean, that's why I started the show. So I could have conversations because otherwise it was going to be a pretty miserable year. I think yeah. that's right. it's turned into a, such a blessing. Right. Right. So oh, yeah. I'm kind of somewhere between introvert and extrovert. So I've kind of enjoyed the Zoom environment, actually. I feel like we're getting a lot done, but um, like you're saying, I mean, just going out and being able to see some friends lately has been a true blessing that can never be taken for granted again. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So what do each of you want to leave with people in terms of how they can bring, again, let me say, this is a wonderful book, everybody. And it's got rituals for everything you can ever think of. I love it. Highly recommended. So how would you um, recommend people start aside from the need to get your book and read it? Okay. But just start the process of looking at every minute that we have on this planet as a miracle that deserves celebration and ritual. So I'll ask that to each of you. You want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. Okay. You know, I think um, it's a moment of, honestly, it's pausing. Uh, And that can be done taking a time to journal every day, doing a gratitude journal is a really simple way to just sort of connect back in with what's actually happening in your life. Uh, You know, meditation, like some of these things kind of even sounds like a cliche as I say them, but they have so much value. Just taking a pause every day, every day to take stock and look at what's actually going on, seeing the highlights, seeing the truth 
and giving yourself that moment of connection to something bigger than yourself, even if that's mother earth, you know, there, there is this whole world of things happening uh, and we can get so focused on the little things going wrong and, and being insular and stuck that it can be really helpful to just pause every day and notice mystery, notice beauty, notice the things that bring you joy. I feel like that's a way to start reconnecting. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I would add to that. Um, especially when trying to find the rite of passage that you might be in or what it is that you want to ritualize. Um, I think, think about what's happening in your life at this very moment. You don't need to look back or look forward, but just simply what's happening right now. So if somebody has just gotten a new job, we can stop for a moment. You could um, take magazine pictures or pick favorite pictures from online sites, print them out and create an altar that is what it is to have this new job and what it is uh, that you imagine uh, is gonna come of having that new job. That's a ritual right there. Likewise, if you're in the opposite position, if you've just left the job for whatever reason, you can do the same thing. What did this job bring me? What have I lost? Um, what space has opened up for me to take on the next adventure? And that's really kind of the formula for it. Um, you have a big milestone birthday. If somebody moves out, if a relationship begins or ends, you can ritualize it by saying, ah, here's this thing. How do I want it to be? Mm -hmm. If I could wave my magic wand and say, this is how this situation will unfold or resolve, how could I do that? And that's really the beginning of ritual. And um, you know, if it's something that you value, uh, you'll find a way to ritualize it. And when you ritualize it, you, you mark a moment in time. It's like getting a tattoo. There's this sort of permanent reminder that you did this thing. You, you survived that. You conquered this, whatever it might be. I want to add something too, because you made, you brought something up in my mind. Also just recognizing that ritualizing, like that word can create pressure right? It, you might think that you need to have the right things or go to a building or have, you know, the, there has to be some serious things happening and words, and it doesn't have to be. A ritual could just be a, a toast, um, a hug, a moment where you say thank you. It doesn't have to be this huge production. It could Those be a sugary fun. cup of coffee. Exactly. I thought that was a great one. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I love the drama and pomp and circumstance of ritual and having incense and candles. I love all of that. It, it feeds me, uh, but it can just be something simple. And so starting with simple is a way to open the door a little bit, make it a little bit easier on yourself. I think that's a great point because sometimes I think people hesitate to start these things if they think it's going to be too um, cumbersome or something. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about your book. You've got the words there. You've got all of the different things yeah just already thought out of oh yeah you know what I guess that was something I should have paid attention to or whatever just to try to bring more presence and awareness into what we're doing it's a wonderful book highly recommended thank you thank hey you I know much. we only have a few minutes left but out of curiosity I know it's your show 
out of curiosity, um, do you have a daily ritual or a regular ritual? You I actually do. Um, I have quite a few rituals. Um, it has to start with a cup of coffee. Yes. yes. And then um, I went to Vipassana, the Buddhist meditation, it's a silent retreat. So the teacher there has these um, really far out chants that are in Pali, a kind of an ancient language that no one speaks anymore. So I listen to those every morning and try to get my head put on straight. And then I have altars and things and I'll cut cords with the outer world and ask questions about what I'm supposed to proceed with for the day. So yeah, I actually do a lot of rituals. I don't even, I guess I don't really talk about that that much because they're just things I'm doing. Um, but I've always done that. And I think it's, again, it's, it's bringing some kind of, for me, structure yeah. um, to my life so that I have kind of a routine that I'm in. I think that helps me a lot because otherwise I'll just, I don't know, go all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I'm yeah. more grounded than I used to be, but let's just say that's been a, a fun thing to work on this lifetime. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. yes, I'm a big believer in that. And I think it's, it is, it's, it's something about, maybe it's the collective, like you said, Phoenix, maybe it's the ancestors or something. There's just something that wants to see like the spiritual things that are unseen. It feels like we need to bring them out into some kind of focused three-dimensional awareness and consciousness, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it does help kind of focus the mind. And I tend to get more done when I'm doing those things. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Thank so, you. Yeah, your book that. was wonderful because um, I'm going through that just thinking, oh yeah, right. I forgot about that. You know, mm -hmm. like I put out a lot of books. I write a lot of books, but I don't even go tell anyone on Facebook ever, you know, because to me, it's like, well, okay, if I do that, I'll be out there every month or something. I, I don't know. So you're just reminding yeah the little things maybe we should take a pause absolutely I totally identify with that too because I've written several books and I I'm like okay I did that now what's the next project you know like <laughs> yes. just taking a minute to go I did that I should celebrate I need to do something to acknowledge this thing I've created and yeah I think that that's you know that's also some of the pressure of our culture like we always have to be doing and producing and going and um, there, we don't make a lot of space to celebrate and honor the things that we've done. I think that's important. I think it yeah. is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Cause there's that what's next that everybody, yep. what's next, what's next? Well, I don't know yeah. yet. It's, it's out there. I haven't gotten there yet. So there's right. no time to pause. I think that the, one of the gifts of this year that we've had is the fact that we were forced oh, to yeah. come home and like Gwion said, just we're in our house. Can we learn? Oh, wow. I haven't been here in a while. Let's try to appreciate this and make the most of it and create some yeah. new rituals, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're centering. So it's a journey and we're on it and it's going to yeah. be interesting. Yeah. And like you said, we don't know what's happening tomorrow, but I'm sure it will be fascinating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you are an amazing couple and you both though have individual websites and everything. So give us your website, Phoenix, and tell us how people can reach your website. I'm going to have all these links as well for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's phoenixlefay.com. And it's L-E-F-A-E. -E, that's the way to reach me. And then the shop is milk and honey, uh, milk-and-honey.com. So either of those websites is a really easy way to connect with me or schedule a reading or find out what classes are happening and, and, and get some homework. Yeah, absolutely. Get some homework. Yeah. And I'm Phoenix LeFay on all the social medias too. So, uh, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff is, I can be found on all of that. Okay, great. Yeah. 
and Gwion. Uh, likewise, you can go to Gwion Raven, like the bird. So Gwion Raven, uh, if you type that into the internet, you'll find me in all the various places. So it's fairly easy to connect to me. Um, and uh, yeah, likewise, I, I will post classes and speaking events and other things that I'm doing there. Um, and you can also uh, uh, find me at Milk and Honey as well. That sounds great. All right. Well, I wish you much, much success. It's Life Ritualized. Check it out. And so, my friends, that concludes another episode of Healing Arts. Until next time, check it out. Ritualize your life and have fun. And I'll see you next time. We'll be right back. Hey friends, I want you to check out my Past Life Lady YouTube channel that has tons of free videos that teach you how to do all kinds of things from energy healing, gem and mineral healing. I've got guided imagery up there for you. So check it out. Just go over to YouTube and type the words past life lady in the search bar and hit subscribe. And I'll look forward to welcoming you over to my channel today. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. You can visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Another show is over. I can't believe it. So this week, let's all challenge ourselves to pay close attention to every single thing that's happening in our lives. Let's decide, hey, wait a minute, that actually felt really good. And even if it's go buy yourself a cup of coffee or go outside and gaze up at the sky and and just experience, you know, blessings and gratitude. So let's try that this week and see what happens. Because I know that the more that we notice the little things and we acknowledge the blessings in our lives, then the more blessings we will have. So with that, my friend, I'm sending you tons of love and blessings. And I just cannot wait to speak with you again on the next episode of Healing Arts. Healing Arts is sponsored in part by pastlifelady.com, my official website where you can find information about past life regression, my books, energy healing methods, gems, stones, and minerals, and more. Visit pastlifelady.com for more details and through the generous donations from supporters like you. Click on the links to discover how you can support the Healing Arts Program. And thank you in advance. Namaste. Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. If you are experiencing anxiety, depression, or trauma, check out my book, Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories. 
This is a book filled with amazing case histories of clients who have successfully healed their anxiety and trauma, and it has a lot of guided journeys in it designed to help you get through these challenging times. Click on my website at pastlifelady.com, follow the book links, and check out Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories today.